How long you been into the business, and what got you into it? We've been, well, not we, me. I'm owner-operator, logistics, everything. So, um, we've been, I've been making calls roughly five years, six years, and that was just pretty much a hobby at first. My biggest thing was I got tired of buying crap from a store. Pretty much what got me into doing all this. Well, let me ask you something. I mean, you've been in a business a while, and how how many years now have you been in business? Uh, five years. Five years. All right. So, what what would you say after five years being in the business is probably the biggest learning curve to getting into building game calls? Oh gosh, um, probably learning your woods. Ah. Every single wood's different. Pretty much, you can have one board, and in that one board, say you can get six calls. Out of those one, that one board, every single one of the grain structures is different. The density's different. So you actually got to go through and learn what grain structure, what density of the wood makes the best sounding calls. Or if you use all of them, you got to figure out. Well, you got to turn every single one of them different. It's not a mass production thing. You can't just blanket affect everything just with measurements. You have to go pretty much off of grain structure and density weight and imperfections. Sometimes you've got the prettiest looking piece of wood out there, but it's got an imperfection in it and it will just ruin everything. How important is knowing the call by ear? That is very important. Very important because, I mean, if you spend enough time in the woods, like I do, I would always sit there and I'd listen to the hens and so many different sounds. We always had pet turkeys, so I'd sit out there and I'd mess around with the pet turkeys. Listen to and uh, I never could, you know, I never could pick up on every single thing and be able to mimic it. But after years and years of just sitting out there and playing and playing and playing, and then I finally got where the wild hens, they would stay out here in my hay field, and me and we would talk back and forth all the time. So I finally started learning the lingo of what they had. And um, but What was that lingo? I don't mean to cut you off. I, I, I'm an avid turkey hunter. I love to turkey hunt. But for those that out there that have never turkey hunted, please, as a turkey call builder, tell me the lingo. Well, the purr is one thing. I can do. They'll be going through the woods. They're digging around in the leaves. You'll hear them. They'll... Purr, cluck, purr, cluck. Find something in light, and they cluck, cluck, purr. You got a call there? You can give me an example? I'll be going through the woods. Get excited. Because you could get the young hens away from the boss hens, and then they'd sit there and they'd talk back and forth, especially in the fall, you'd bust them up. And that's the best way to kill any fall turkeys. If you could find a bunch, run right through the middle of them, just make them fly everywhere, then you just sit down, pull out a turkey call, start calling, and every single one of them come right back, and you can just pop you off one. I'll be dang. So there's a piece of advice right there, ladies and gentlemen. He just dropped a bomb for everybody. Listen to that one. Blake, uh, the very first call you ever built, what was it? <laughs> the very first call I ever built was a box call, and it was made out of a two-by-four. 
and I actually cut a spring off of a, uh, let's see, what was the spring from? I can't remember exactly what the spring was, but it was way too big. I used a wood screw for the main screw in it, the paddle. I used uh, another two before. I didn't understand grain. I didn't understand density, weight, nothing. And it sounded like I was kicking a dog. Like it was <laughs> bad. But um, after taking that and finally doing some studying and learning, and I actually had a few guys um, kind of point me in the right direction. If it wouldn't have been for those, pretty much those two guys, main guys, one was Greens Runs Calls, Allen Six, and then named Brandon out of Muddy Bottoms. He's in Mississippi. If it wouldn't been for them two guys actually explaining stuff to me and actually kind of giving me little breadcrumbs to follow to learn on my own, I probably wouldn't be building calls. And you do a little mentoring yourself as well, don't you? I do. Um, that's like right. I work with a little bit with the KOK. It's Courageous Outdoor Kids. It's a cancer foundation. Oh. Uh, 100% nonprofit. They take kids. They take them on hunts everything is paid 100 percent from license taxidermy processing fees they put the family up food everything is 100 percent paid for and um there's a couple of those kids that actually live up here and the kok is based out of georgia and two of those kids i took under my wing and i've been teaching them how to make calls and they're actually going to start making those and selling them to raise money for the kok as well because they're about ready to age out and after you hit a certain age, you have to age out of it. You can come back and they start actually mentoring and being guides and things like that. So that's something that they can take and actually pass on to the other kids as well. Oh, wow. That's pretty neat. That's pretty amazing. I got something to ask you. What got you into doing that? Doing that? I, <sighs> I love kids. I love working with kids. I love getting them into the outdoors. Anything that has to do with fishing hunting um just anything outside and i actually had a guy reach out to me and ask me to build a custom call for a specific kid that was in that group which i didn't ever even heard of that group didn't know nothing about it i said well, sure yeah i can build you a call i said what exactly are you wanting and what's it for because i like to get a backstory if i'm building a very personalized call the kid he had i'm not going to name names or anything like that but he said the kid had a tumor in his in his head and he was doing good but his mentor was somebody that had actually went through pretty much the same thing she had had cancer and she made it i think another year or two but she got cancer again and died his uh. so i told him i said well send me a picture of him i put a picture of him inside the call made a call out of canary wood which was one of my little higher end woods i had here inscribed her name on the back because of it and put in some mountains and then um, i contacted another guy that's a woodworker and i told him i said hey i ain't got time to build no box but i've got some wood i need you to make me a nice dovetail box real quick and he said well what's it for and i told him he said okay yeah he said when you need it by i said this week he said okay he said, I'll get right on it. And he had it to me in like three or four days. But um, once he brought me that, I took the lid that he had made. I gave him some cherry for that. And I built, or I wood burnt a full flying gobbler on it, full extra detail, went in, done all the shading, extra, extra everything. And um, I told the people, I said, get a bunch of the pictures. 
of those two together and I said anything that you can get that was them I said and bring it with you I got something for you I said okay well that'd be great and um, whenever I met them they said oh, well I showed them the call I said here it is and I said but here's the surprise I said if you brought everything with you I said you're gonna take this call and I opened up the box I said you put the call down in there all the pictures of them everything they've ever done together I said and just give him the box I said that way he has a mento you know he can look back on and actually see all that and pull back memories so that was uh, that was what got me interested in working with them but what was actually funny that kid that I built that for is actually my apprentice now when I first met him he came down here and as the first time I ever talked to him met him or anything and found out who he was so I actually built his box and everything for him and me and him, we just we just clicked right after that. Man, that's beautiful. <laughs> that really is. That's beautiful, and I really appreciate that you shared that with us. Um, how old is he now? Fifteen, I think. Fifteen. Wow, wow. Uh, now, you and I have talked a few times on the phone, and we were talking about, is this the same young man that you usually talk about that you're mentoring is coming along building calls? Yeah, that's the same one. He's uh, he's going to be a top-notch call maker. He is very meticulous in what he does and really takes his time. I'm like I'm really looking forward to once he actually develops more of a, his own design and looks and everything because he's he's going to be one to watch out for. What do you think is probably one of the most underrated things about a turkey call builder? We're all just a. We just turn wood. <laughs> That's what a lot of people thinks, but they don't really realize that a turkey call is pretty much a musical instrument. So if you ain't got the right vibrations and the right harmonics in it, it ain't gonna make the right sound. You're dead on the money. <laughs> My granddaddy, he was not a call call builder by any means, but he was a master carpenter, and I watched him on that lathe, and the things he done on that lathe was amazing. But he understood the woods. Yeah, that's, that's something that you have to know. I mean, because if it's a maple, you got to be careful. you got to have a sharp knife. Maple's soft, yeah, but you have massive tire out. And if you have massive tire out, it looks like crap when you're done. What's the worst wood that is probably the most requested wood to work with? Uh, probably a Caribbean rosewood. I don't, I don't offer them very much. They're very... <laughs> A lot of people will ask for them when they ask for them. I'll say, sure, yeah, I'll do it for you. But I hate it. I hate that wood. They turn okay. They're hard. They chip. They splinter, for me at least. And then when I'm sanding them, i got to wear long sleeves, gloves, a hoodie, got to tighten everything up, face shield, because it's like working in insulation. I itch to death. I'm allergic to it. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. <laughs> so I don't offer that very, very often. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> most requested. Tell me what is your favorite woods and why? Probably my favorite is cherry. There's cherry just, it turns so good. It finishes so good. You can get a nice, perfect finish on them. They burn good, so whatever you put in them, it actually will pop and show. They got the right density 99% of the time. They just make the best all-around call, in my opinion. It burns well. Um, 
everything pops, details, whatever you want. Grunt calls, I like laminated. A lot of people don't like laminated because you don't see a whole lot of them, but I love the way they turn. They turn so good, they finish good. I think they look good because they're different. They pop, you drop them in the woods, you can see them. That's the, that's the biggest thing. I've dropped them on at grunt calls and you go, where did it go? You ruined your hunt because you either couldn't find it or then you had a deer out there and you couldn't even talk to it. And, and you know, you talk about that. And, uh, folks, just so you know, and I'll go ahead and do a little spoiler alert if you don't mind. We do have a wheelhouse version coming out. And y'all will be able to see it's laminated, but I'm not going to say the colors. We got a wheelhouse version. It's in, everything's in the works on that right now. Got just a few little more wrinkles to iron out, and then uh, it'll be pushed out. Can't wait. Can't wait. Well, I got some interesting things to ask you, and they're going to be a little more personal per call, per se, okay? This this particular call is a walnut pot green slate over glass. How important are the strikers to match the pot? Oh, it's um, it's um, <laughs> that is a key, crucial thing. You can't just grab any striker and throw with a call. Each striker is also based on the density, strength, grain structure, and pretty much the hardness of it. So based on if it's soft or hard, that's going to throw a different tone. Um, I could take one call and I could take 10 strikers, and each one of them would have a different tone if they actually meshed up good with that. Because some of them, they squeak, they squall, they don't have a good rollover at the end of them, the yaw that you need right at the end of a yelp. So... I'll sit down and I go through every single call and I'll match it with one striker that I think is the best. Now that might not be for everybody because I'll get it shows and they'll be like, well, that's a little high pitch. And I can say, all right, well, I've got all these strikers and I'll lay out like 30 different kinds. Here you go, go through it, see what you think matches your sound the best and then take that striker with that. Strikers are major crucial. That's like, um, if I have a maple striker, that more more or less makes a little softer, a little more crisp sound. If I throw a pecan, like what you have right there, it'll really put out there a real loud, high pitch, kind of throw a rasp into with it. It's a but, tenor with a rasp. Yeah. But the thing is, I can take that pecan and I can put it on a red slate, which is a harder surface, and it's even higher pitch. So it don't even really work well with the red slate. So then you got to go back, backtrack, find what works best with that, which is usually a canary wood. Works good with the red slate. So, but every single surface has its specific strikers that works best with it in its own specific pots. And I usually have it, I've got it narrowed down now. I've done so many of them. So it doesn't usually take me as long. I can't find one that does not sound good on it. I'll take that car, I just throw it away. I just start over. I just say forget it because there ain't no use putting that trash. Um, I can't. You recently had a little incident with bands. Yes, yes. with bands. I I order a hundred bands at a time from my supplier. He has never made a mistake ever, ever. And I was putting calls together, going through putting bands, putting bands, and usually by the time I finish up my hundred, my next hundred's in, so I can just keep right on non-stop and I got to looking after I had already epoxied everything and I use that 
a higher end epoxy that has a 7,000 pound tensile strength. You can just leave it out in the sun. It does fine up to like 180 degrees, so I don't worry about it. And I got to look and I said, wait a minute, that says Hall R back. I said it's AR instead of ER. And I got to looking. I had 40 something rings that was misspelled. I had already sent out 59 calls with that on there. And I had to sit there and burn most of them back off with a torch and go back over and I had to redo every single one of my calls and then now they're ready to start putting rings back on. If listen folks, I'm just saying the man is making some amazing calls, number one. And if you're someone out there that got one of them calls, you might want to hang on to it. It might be worth a little something. Yeah, it might be. But if they don't, and they don't like the, that because it's not representing me, they can send it back and I'll swap it out for them. <laughs> there you go. I'll say when I met you is immediately it was customer service. That's one thing that you and I talked about. And we talked about customer service and quality of whatever you have to put out to the client. So whether it be turkey call, grunt call, whatever it be, when it leaves that shop, you've used it, you've put your hands on it, you know it works. I've got a lot of quality control checks I go through. Like from the time that I actually pull the blank out or the board out and I start going through it, that's be my first checks. Like checking the grain, checking for defects, small cracks, anything like that. And then I'll check from that point to the end of whenever it's ready to go out the door at least another seven or eight different times. And if that's not, I find one thing in there that's wrong, chuck it, be done with it. But once it makes it to the very end and everything's good on that, then, um, I mean, it's, I know it's going to work. You, you got into all these turkey calls. You're having fun with the turkey calls. What brought you across the grunt call? Because not only is it a grunt call per se, it is a bad to the bone, best grunt call I've ever put my hands on. I've said it on record and I'll say it again, folks. You've got to hear this grunt call. It's sitting right behind him. If you will grab that thing. Please pull it out. Give a full description of what it is. Well, like I was talking about on the uh, Spectraply, which is the laminated, that's what I like best in the grunt calls. But I get so aggravated. You'd be sitting in a deer stand, it's colder than crap. All of a sudden, you know, you got a buck that's way out there. Or you got a buck halfway decently close, but he's not in range. Pick up your grunt call, and you blow. It doesn't do jack. It sits there. It'll freeze up or make a high-pitched squeal, or it just—it does not sound anything like a deer. Spooks and runs off. Sound like an elk sometimes. <laughs> I said there has got to be something out there, and I done my research, and I usually put all my calls through like a year-long trial basis, make sure everything is correct on them, and before I put them out there to sell. And, um, I found a reed assembly that I use that is resistant to freezing, resistant to sticking, and you can blow on it pretty dang hard and it's still going to make a grunt. So you can really reach out there and really vocalize if you have to. So, and I've got a lot, I think I've got 70 in the UP in Michigan, and I ain't had one of them guys call me back yet and say that's froze. And something else about it is, is, I mean, that is a beautiful thing about the product but something else about it is the sound is the best i've ever heard um i i literally went and tracked a, a, a wounded deer for a gentleman 
uh, Venom and I. And after I got done, I was like, hey, man, I said, I got this grunt call here. I want you to hear this. I said, you ain't never heard nothing like this. And I walked over to your grunt call, and I, uh, go ahead and hit your grunt call for me. That's what I mean. That right there, folks. I walked over there. I said, Chris, check this out, man. And I hit that call. Brack, brack, brack. Soon as I did, he said, whoa, what is that thing? I said, it's different. That's what it is. I said, check you one out. And boy, he did. He contacted you and he bought one. And he actually bought one of the limited editions. Yep. I've actually sent a few out to my pro staffs already and here recently. And the first time out in the woods, they actually called in a few bucks as well. Like every single one of them called in multiple bucks that night. I've got a guy down in Texas. He bought one. He's a he's in his seventies, and he makes grunt calls every now and then. But he bought one, and he said his grandson loves it. He said he's been in the woods thirty minutes and already called in three bucks. Yeah. So I'm getting feedback like that from. Pretty much almost every single grunt call I send out, I'm getting pictures of, hey, this is, you know, this is what I called in. They take pictures from the deer stand or they text me and say, dude, this is the best sounding grunt call I've ever had. And, I mean, that, that speaks a lot in volume for me. That, that actually gives me a little bit more drive. Well, you know, Blake, the other day I was out in the field. And I was sitting there, and I, I've been telling you about this buck. I, had, I try to keep it quiet, you know, but I've been telling you about it. And the other day, these does, I saw them way out in the distance, but they just did not want to come in. And so something else we'll talk about your call here is how you can slip that reed down. You can still do the doe bleats and whatever you need to do, correct? Yep, you can. Uh, you can, it's fairly quick, adjustable. I mean, this little twist and pull, little twist and push. And then you can pull on it, it ain't going to come together, but I can hold it with two fingers, twist it, and it comes apart. I mean, that's the that's the main thing right there. And it's real quick, real simple. You can make an adjustment on the fly. But that's like I've actually got another call in the works, which I've told you about. So I'll go ahead and throw that out there. And it's called the Hypocrite. And it'll actually be, it's in its trial and error phase right now. I've got a guy using it in his hands right now down my way. And you can blow on it to grunt, you suck on it. It's a younger doe fawn bleat. You flip it around, you blow on it, and it's a full-on bleat. So you don't ever have to take the call apart. You don't ever have to do anything. After I'd done all that and started this trial and error phase, I already seen a couple other people start doing that, and I was like, well, dang, somebody else caught on that as well. But, I mean, I've been doing that for quite a while. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, so, what are you looking for a release on that? Uh, it'll probably be next deer season. Okay. I, I try to usually release at least one new call every year, and um, I'm I'm at the point now. It's uh, I'm running out of ideas unless I start dabbling in to the duck calls and the goose calls and everything else. Because I've about got everything covered right now as it is. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite call? My favorite is turkey. I guess it's where I love turkey hunting so much. I love to do, I don't even have, hardly have to pick up a ruler when I'm turning and do measurements. I do all the measuring by hand because I've done every single one of them so many times. And I don't even think when I'm doing it. It's just second nature. So I got a question for you. On every call I've ever seen of yours, 
at the bottom of the call or somewhere on that call, you always put a scripture on there. I do. Um, I always put every single call since number one that has left my shop always has a Bible verse on it of some sort. Most of them is James 1.12, but they will vary based on what I've been reading or I've, uh, what kind of mood I'm in that night. And experiences. That's pretty much my ministry. So it's a subtle ministry. A lot of people, you know, a lot of times they won't deal with somebody that preaching, hacking, going on, talking right directly to them. But maybe just that little Bible verse will actually get somebody to look at it and open a Bible up and look at it. And that right there, you sow the seed, God will, you know, have the increase. One seed, my brother. That's all it takes. And you're, you're pouring the water. Well, let me, let me ask you, um, so on your grunt calls, uh, I noticed that when you pull it apart, there's metal reed. So tell me, deal behind the concept on that. Uh, most of your store-bought calls are all plastic. So they either dry rot, they get too much heat exposure on them, um, they get too cold, they just, it won't hold up. It's just a cheap way for manufacturers to produce product at the most amount they possibly can to gain a dollar and put it in their pocket. But I like to use the more expensive. Uh, the metal housings on them are a lot stronger. Of course, they do good against the cold. They do good against the heat. They do good against, you know, repetitive use at all times. They're not going to break down like a plastic one is. The reeds in them are more of a robust mylar, but they're also weighted, so that you know that keeps them from sticking and freezing 99.99% of the time. And um, I'm not going to say 100% because they will be one one day somewhere, and it probably be in Canada, and they'll call me back and say, "Hey, this stuck." <laughs> My reed stuck. <laughs> 20 degrees. I don't doubt it. That that was the concept behind that. As like every single one of my supplies that I use are you let's see probably about 97 98 percent is all small business related oriented 100 percent American made I don't hardly ever use anything that is not American made unless it's a glue or something like that that's pretty much the only things that I don't but anything that is the wood slate springs um, reeds, bushings, the whole nine yards. It's USA, American made, and all small businesses. God bless the USA. We all got to help each other. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. And I enjoy it. Blake Lawson, I got a question for you. I got to ask you. I want to know because I don't think even I know the answer to this question. Well, that don't sound too good. Tell me right now this call that you sent me. Absolutely love it. Both strikers and call. How much time goes into building that, sir? Oh, Lord. Well, pretty much it's a four-day process for each pot that I do. Um, based on the wood, they can vary anywhere from 25 minutes on the lathe to an hour on the lathe. So, I mean, that's that's just for the pot. Um, strikers, that, that takes quite a bit longer. It's tedious. You can blow them apart pretty easy. Now, on grunt calls, how long do they take? They usually normally take at least three full days to work on from start to finish. And 
the tops on the lathes usually go about 20 to 30 minutes. The bottoms on the lathe usually go about 20 minutes. So, and I got to do back and forth. Wow. So let me ask you something on a turkey call, labor time, working time. What would you say is your average work time on that? Uh, per call. Hands on. Hands on per call. On average, I would say hour 15 minutes, probably 20 hour and 30 minutes. Holy mackerel. And yeah, I what, don't just what, turn what, out. What would this call, right? So this call with two strikers, and this isn't just any call, by the way. You can go ahead and tell everybody what this is. Um, looks like you've got a purple heart striker and a pecan striker, and then you got a walnut pot, and it's green slate over glass. Amen. So the green slate surface, and then the glass, when I say over glass, is just the soundboard that's on the inside of it to actually pick up on the vibrations to project. How much time did it take you to build that? Uh, that one took about an hour and 10 minutes total. Okay. How much does that call? Uh, 85 bucks. And that's with a lifetime warranty or, um, yeah, lifetime warranty on my quality work. So like say something happens and I missed it during my quality controls. You send it back. I fix it or replace it because I should have caught it. And then if you go, uh, say you miss a bird, use a start practice. I can't help you there, <laughs> but uh, also I have a repair shop. So say you fall on it, you break it, you bust it, chip it, you send it back because that's not covered under my warranty, but I will uh, fix the call at a fraction of the price. So you still got your call no matter what for the rest of your life and hopefully your kid's life and their kid's life. I want to tell you something, um, and this goes to all call builders and in all respect to Hollerback Game Calls and everyone out there that, that is in this trade. I did not know how much time went in to building that stuff. And that absolutely humbles me. And I hope that humbles a lot of people. And folks, you said 85 to $90 on something like this. Yeah. And you got an hour and a half of man hour time, plus three to four days of work time, just on this one call. Folks, mm -hmm. these folks are, I'm just going to say y'all, y'all are underpaid. Y'all are underpaid. What? It's incredible. Well, most people, they actually charge a lot more or they either, push it and go a lot quicker and then they miss stuff you're doing a lifetime warranty you're quality checking you're you're dude i mean this is incredible and i mean the sound <laughs> i mean it's gorgeous it's 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 I, i'm just a i'm fanboying because i'm telling you right now bud you do the, <laughs> probably the prettiest work i've ever seen um and i i've worked with a lot of folks and there's a lot of great companies out there and i've also worked with another company that's at wonderful people and uh but i'm just the biggest fan of the quality control uh your your humbleness is going to take you far in life sir it really is well i appreciate it that's uh that's something i strive for is quality over quantity that's what my shop motto is it doesn't matter how many i push out they have to be right because yeah. if one ain't right, that's rework I got to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Um, I'm I'm still taking back that I used to complain about paying $80 for a call, and now I see what goes into it. And I feel bad because, no, no, I really do. I feel bad that I even ever said anything to anyone about it. I ain't paying $75 for a <laughs> custom call. It's stupid. No, now I yeah. see. Now I see. Yeah.
that's my starter call too. Wow. So a lot of them, they're, they're a little bit more expensive based on what wood it is or how long it takes me. But my walnuts, cherries, ambrosia maples, um, the standard wood calls that you can get wood basically anywhere for all are at 85. And 85 is my good starting point because it's not too expensive, but it's still a higher quality call than what you're going to get anywhere else. And it's fully customized and made by me. And we can tally up and do a bunch of different things. And I can make it fit based on sound, feel, what that person wants, even down to laser etching the slate on it or the back of it, put names or whatever they want on it. Wow. Not for 85, you know, that adds on a little bit more, but I can fully customize what they want. Ah, man. Incredible. Incredible. So who, who done the tuning and what got you into the deer call? I mean, as far as the tuning part of it, how hard was that to really nail down that sound? It actually wasn't too hard. There's not actually as much goes into them as there is a turkey call. Like the wood doesn't make a difference. The only thing that makes a difference is your tube on it, or if you have a full body tube, which is, you know, solid wood all the way down, even for your barrel. The only thing that changes the tone on that is based on how you chamber it, like what size bore you have in it, how much air, back pressure, things like that. So, it really doesn't make that big of a difference based on the wood for those. So they're pretty standard on everything. What is the most expensive call you have made? <laughs> uh, this is actually so- from, this is actually, believe it or not, uh, this is actually from someone that actually is on my channel. And they said, please ask him if you ever get Hollerback on there, ask Hollerback, say, hey, what is the most expensive and hardest call you've ever had to build? uh probably there's probably a apple body box call with a snake wood lid and a snake wood base when i was making box calls back then and i'm gonna say because it was my most expensive one i actually traded it out for a full body turkey mount that was like 475 dollars at the time for my little brother as a gift to him so that's probably that's probably my most expensive call. But all my shows that I do and things like that on pop calls, probably my most expensive one I always carry with me is about 150 bucks. And that is what call? That is a leopard wood mixed with a black limba. And it's either in a aluminum or a ceramic. Wow. Wow. Woo! You, sir. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Um, I do have a, I have another question for you. Okay. You do, you do a lot of stuff for the youth. Um, mm-hmm. that I absolutely, you know, me as well. Um, I have a pro staff and I, I hold my pro staff to high, high standards. Um, you also have a pro staff. Yeah. Okay. If someone is out there looking to be part of a pro staff, what is some advice that you would give them immediately about trying to get on a pro staff? Be willing to work and be willing to actually to listen. That's the biggest thing. Listen. So a lot of people have a hard time doing that and they know everything and they actually think they know what you should expect of them and they're not willing to give any more, which that's a quick ticket out. <laughs> so because a lot of times the pro staff is looking for a very specific thing 
and they have very, very select criterias to meet to actually get that position and actually hold it because it's not a guaranteed position at all times. Very well said. To add to that, I would also always say, if you ever want to be part of a pro staff, remember you are selling a product for someone. You are representing someone. Make yeah. sure you are holding yourself to high expectations as well. Be yeah, because you're the of, face of that company as well. Exactly. You're the face of that company. You're representing that company. So please try hard to work hard for those companies because if you work hard for those companies, they will take care of you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing you the would morning. want more than for me to sell a thousand calls for you because at the end of the day, you're going to say, thank you, Jason. I'm going to take care oh, of you. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's like my pro staff. I just actually sent, um, let's see, five grunt calls out, and that was Christmas gifts. So I had uh, no charge to them. I just wanted to do that for them. They'd been doing a good job posting my stuff and talking about my stuff and all that, and I wanted to give them something that they could push during deer season and give them a little thank you back. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we do the same thing over at Ringtails and Tall Tales. We got a pro staff there. We send them gift boxes, anything they need. They're, they're tracking stuff, the collars, mm -hmm. anything, anything they need, we take care of them, you know, but I tell you what, I tell everybody, I'll take my pro staff and put them against anyone. They are amazing. Class acts. So we got four, four under 18 and I think they work harder than all of us when it comes to promoting. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's absolutely incredible, and I am so proud of every one of them. And, and I spend that question to spin it to this. You are a craftsman. You What you do is an art. It is an art form. What would you say to an up-and-coming youth if they're wanting to get into this? How can you get started, and where do they need to start? Start basic. Don't buy the most expensive things that you can always buy because uh, you got to – you got to work your way up. I mean, you can buy thousands upon thousands of dollars worth of stuff. If you can't use it, then it ain't going to make a difference. And then reach out to other call makers because there will be a select few that will actually help you. And um, I'm one of them. I'm actually talking to a guy right now in Arkansas. He's getting into making duck calls, and I'm just helping him get started in what he needs, like, which chucks things like that just to get his foot in the door so he has an idea of what he needs but um just reach out to people you're going to get the door shut has <laughs> slammed in your face quite a few times but there'll be that one guy about yeah i'll help you most of the time that's your old timers but um i mean i i was there so i don't think of myself too high and mighty to talk to anybody or pass any knowledge around now, i'm not going to give my exact measurements out but I'm going to do exactly what uh, those other two guys done for me is leave breadcrumbs. You figure it out, but try looking here first and attempting this and see what it does. And then take that and run with it. And then figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what life's all about, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You got to learn as you go. You got to learn as you go. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. I've learned something today. Blake Lawson, you have taught me some mighty good lessons today. Um, and it's been an honor to talk to you and you're, you're also married with, with a child as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I've been married for nine years and we just had our first child. She's eight months now and she's 
into everything. But uh, <laughs> that's a that's a good thing. So she loves the she loves to be outside in the woods and everywhere else. So that's always a plus. So I got a chance. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I think you got more a chance in this business. You're a class act and I'll just tell you, Blake, it's been an honor to work with you, and I cannot wait for our future endeavors. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jason Wayne Hunter with Hunter's Wheelhouse. This is my buddy, Blake Lawson. Hallerback Game Calls, huh? Oh, yeah, buddy. Mr. Blake's going to be doing a Thanksgiving special. Mr. Blake, if you'll go ahead and tell him what you're going to be doing. Yeah, I have 20% off on all my calls and all my merchandise, pretty much, hats and everything. Um the code for that is HBGC20 Friday. Uh, that right there is our code just for our website. There you so. go, ladies and gentlemen. Black Friday. Are you going to also join in on Cyber Monday and keep it rolling through Cyber Monday? Yes, it'll actually run around until the 28th until like 10 a.m. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I tell you what, brother. I, I really appreciate you being good to the community. I, I appreciate you even sharing the numbers that you have in your calls and the hours it takes to put into them. Uh, I think that gives everyone a little insight of the detail that goes into the call that they have in their hand. And it makes it a little more meaningful then. And, uh, you know, and as I said, you know, this is pot number 274. And on the back of this pot, it says John 316. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it just means the world to me when I pick up this pot. Every time I look at it, it's, it has something that means something. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that little stamp that you put on that and sharing the word like you're doing, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And I tell you what, man, it's honor to work with you. It's honor to work with you. Blake Lawson, thank you, brother. All right, thank you. All right, man. Stay blessed. We'll talk soon.